We've known for so long that there's a problem with criminal investigation in the Philippines. With every controversial killing that I cover, this systematic problem gets blown open. People rage about the incompetence of law enforcers, then after the issue dies, the anger subsides. Again, the systematic problem stays under the rug, undiscussed. Until another killing happens, and another investigation fails miserably. There is rage once more. We see this once again in the case of Christine da Serra. She is the 23-year-old flight attendant found lifeless in a Makati hotel bathtub on New Year's Day 2021. The police prematurely declares her as a victim of a rape sleigh, without an autopsy or medical legal report to back up the claim. Worse, the Sera is autopsied after being embalmed, which almost eliminates any chance to get to the bottom of the case. Another day, another death, another failed investigation. How did it come to this? What if I told you that there is a group of people who study the gaps in our medical legal investigation system and is proposing a law to fill them in? Hello, I'm Rambo Talabong, Rappler's police and crime reporter. This is Rappler's crime podcast, Criminal. In this podcast, we revisit crime stories that are significant in understanding Philippine politics and society. This is our 14th episode, where we will talk about Philippine Medical Legal Death Investigation, or MLDI. For this episode, I interview lawyer Sofia San Luis, the head of law advocacy group Imagine Law. Attorney Sofia San Luis of Imagine Law, welcome to the program. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, Rambo. Attorney Sophia, could you talk, talk about yourself and what, the work that you do? Uh, yes, so I'm uh, the executive director of Imagine Law. Our organization helps government develop and advocate for public health policies in different public health areas like road safety, healthy diet, COVID-19, and also uh, data for health or um, what, we're, what we commonly know, know as civil registration and vital statistics. So with Imagine Law doing that and heading Imagine Law, how did you get into the study of the MLDI, the Medical Legal Death Investigation System in the Philippines? How did that happen? So this actually started as a broader study on civil registration and vital statistics. That's your birth and death registration and also uh, cost of death determination. In 2017, we helped DOH assess their entire um, CRDS system in order to determine what the gaps are. And we did discover a lot of small gaps, but uh, one of the things that DOH really wanted to address, one of the gaps that they really wanted to address was the medical legal death investigation. Because currently in the Philippines, our birth and death registration is already upwards of 90%. That means the, the birth and the death are being recorded, but the quality of the cause of death information is not that high. And that was why uh, the, the DOH wanted to figure out what's really causing that poor quality of cause of death information. And one of the things that they wanted to focus on was MLDI or Medical Legal Death Investigation. Mataas na yung ating pag-record sa mga kamatayan kung namamatay mga tao, pero hindi pa natin alam yung mga causes. Maraming mga kamatay na hindi natin na-investigahan yung dahilan kung bakit sila namamatay. Tama? 
Tama, tama. Tsaka, bukod pa dyan, uh, we have a lot of anecdotal data from local government units that really express concerns about deaths that happen outside of hospitals and how these deaths should be treated, whether it should be the local health officer that will investigate that death or whether it should be the police. Because at that point, you don't really know if it's a natural death or if it's an unnatural death. So there's really a lot of confusion happening on the ground. And that's where all that poor date quality of data really starts. So that's where it all started. So that's a very big problem, attorney. How did you go about the study and what did you find out? Well, we really wanted to focus on the law because that's really our expertise, looking at what the policies are when it comes to investigating death. We started with um, just looking at all the laws that we have on medical legal death investigation. And what we found is that really we don't have a law particularly on that subject matter. And then after that, uh, we started interviewing local government units, um, other stakeholders like the Philippine National Police and the Na- uh, National Bureau of Investigation to find out what their specific challenges are when it comes to death investigation. And then we also conducted a symposium with uh, experts from other countries to kind of figure out what their practices are when it comes to death investigation and to see what the options are for the Philippines, which is a low-to-middle-income country. And then with all that information that we gathered, we validated our findings in the study with uh, meetings with stakeholders, and they all agreed with all the gaps that we identified in our study. In your study, what are the most striking points that you want to present? Before I go into that, Rambo, I want to just uh, quickly point out what a good MLDI system looks like because just by um, explaining what a good MLDI system looks like, I think you'll already be able to draw out why our system isn't that good. So a good MLDI system would have a clear governance structure, meaning to say, When you have a death before you, you already know immediately where you should go. And then you also have to have uh, your MLDI situated in the system in a way that will ensure impartiality of their decision and high-quality investigation. And then you have to have experts. The system should be led by experts. Ideally, you should have forensic pathologists. But if that's not available, at least pathologists or physicians that are trained. Um, and then finally, the services of the MLDI system should be accessible. Meaning to say, if you have a death, for example, in Zamboanga, you don't have to travel very far for it to be investigated. Or if you need to travel at all, the transportation system should be formal and not just some random vehicle transporting the, the body. What we found here in the Philippines is that we don't really have a law on MLD. Uh, in fact, uh, the only law that is cited when it comes to medical legal death investigation is the sanitation code, which tells you already what kind of prioritization you'll get because the sanitation code focuses on sanitation, not really on investigation. And so because of that, our death investigation system really only evolved out of necessity. It wasn't really grounded on a solid foundation. Right now, we have three agencies with overlapping jurisdictions, and their jurisdictions are really not clearly defined. So sometimes it will be the local health officer that will take jurisdiction over, over the death, even if you know, it, it might be that there is suspicious circumstances surrounding the death. But because you don't have the PNP available, they'll just assume jurisdiction. Uh, but there's really no protocol around that. 
And then in terms of experts, we have medical legal officers here with very extensive experience already in death investigation. But we only have two forensic pathologists in the Philippines. We have a lot of pathologists, but not a lot of them are um, really doing medical legal death investigation right now. And like I said, the services here in the Philippines, I think this is true not just for death investigation, but a lot of government services. They're mostly provincial or regional. You're actually lucky if you find medical legal services within a province, but it's usually uh, regional-based. And that means that your medical legal officer would have to travel some distance to be able to conduct the investigation or that they have to bring the evidence, the body or some specimen in like an airplane in order to conduct further studies or further tests. So that's basically what our system looks like right now. Attorney, could you expound on why it is a problem that agencies are confused as to their jurisdiction in MLDI investigations and investigating deaths? Why is it a problem that there are overlaps that they're not completely sure who takes jurisdiction and um, what's the practical value in having a unified way of dealing with MLDI? I'll give you a concrete example. For the death that happened in the DOJ, the NBI Director for Counterterrorism. Um, this happened, I think, last year mm-hmm. only in December. For that death, it happened within the NBI compound, and it was the NBI that investigated that death. But the PNP also wanted to investigate because it happened within the NBI compound. But the NBI, meanwhile, insists that they should investigate. And the DOJ secretary also said that they will investigate. So you have that situation where two agencies are fighting over who should take responsibility. A similar scenario happened with the deaths of military men in, uh, where was this? Uh, I forget where it happened. But this was fairly recent where you had several military men that were killed by the police. And initially, it was the police that wanted to investigate. Um, That's in Sulu. In Sulu, yeah. So basically what happens is that you can it's going to happen that you have agencies fighting over jurisdiction but then in the local government scenario naman you have a situation where the local government or your local health officer is passing jurisdiction because they're overworked they're overtaxed sometimes because it's not clear whether it's a medical legal death even if it's a natural death they will keep on insisting na no the PNP should investigate they don't want to take jurisdiction so either nag-aagawan or nagpapasahan sila. And with this, paano nakakompromise yung investigation? Well, ultimately, the, the problem is that there will always be mistrust on the data that is gathered because it is not clear who is supposed to be gathering the data. So for example, in that case of the NBI, there were suspicions initially that the death wasn't really accidental discharge or firearm or suicide because it was also the NBI that investigated that. There are questions as to the impartiality. On, in the situation naman ng local government, our local health officers are not trained for death investigation. So if by force of circumstance, they take jurisdiction over a medical legal death, they don't even have the resources, the capacity to conduct that investigation, but they're forced to do it because the services of the PNP and NBI are not there and and because, again, out of necessity, they are called by the DOH to do that service. Really big problems. You also raised the problem of accessibility, attorney. Could you explain to us more about that? How, how bad is it in the Philippines, the accessibility issue for good MLDI investigation? Currently, you have 
PNP medical legal officers that would sometimes have to travel uh, by boat to islands to conduct investigations. And it takes time. It takes them more than a day sometimes to travel to get to that area where they're supposed to conduct the investigation. But apart from just the, the distance, there are also scenarios wherein they have to transport the specimen to the central office where they have the equipment, they have the manpower, and they, they do the transporting by airplane. So they really, it's hand-carried yung specimen nila, which will also put into question whether the specimen's integrity was maintained in the process of transporting it. Because of course, you have, it, ideally it should be refrigerated, ideally the body should be uh, well-kept, uh, but because the service is not accessible, very often um, the PNP or NBI will only see the body already at the funeral parlor instead of at the scene of death. Uh, which is the best practice for them to see it at the scene of death, or at least to make arrangements for transportation. You're listening to the 14th episode of Criminal, Rappler's Crime Podcast. How is it so far? If you want to listen to other cool and informative audio, check out other Rappler podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. This crime podcast wouldn't have been possible without your support. If you haven't yet, support Rappler by joining our community called Rappler Plus. Rappler Plus believes in speaking truth to power, using technology for the greater good, to power communities to action. Go to rappler.com plus for more details. I wanted to go back kanina sinabi mo na sobrang konti ng ating magagaling na mga medical legal experts at saka forensic pathologist. Why do you think konti siya? Or what, what was your finding? Bakit konti lang ating experts on on medical medical legal death investigation? Well, one thing kasi there's no demand. Our laws are ano eh, normative yan. Demand-inducing yan. So if if you have a law that will require forensic pathologists for this service, then you there will be a corresponding increase in the supply of forensic pathologists. But in our case, it's not really required. So there's really no reason for anyone to study forensic pathology because there's no pathway for their career. So that's one thing. But the other thing is really the the training is quite extensive. We don't have that kind of training here in the Philippines. You have to go abroad for that training. And it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. And you have your physicians who've already undergone five years of medical training. And then you have to add two years of residency for pathology and then another two years for forensic pathology be- before they can even start their career. So there's that problem talaga of the entire process taking too much time. In your paper, you also described how the PNP and the NBI have in-house training um, programs for their medical legal experts, so to speak. Um, can these processes be trusted? Can the medical legal experts of the PNP and NBI be trusted even if it's a limited training session for them? It's not exactly a years-long training like for forensic pathologists, it's an in-house training facility. Yes, uh, it can be adjusted. In fact, there are already examples in other countries like Zambia and uh, Bhutan where they just give, they provide more extensive training on um, pathology or medical legal death investigation, not necessarily forensic pathology. So yes, it can be done where you just train them on what's needed. And that's usually the pathway to for developing countries in strengthening their MLDI system because you're, 
it's never going to happen that suddenly you have everything that you need. So you do it slowly. And part of that process will be, for now, training your physicians on how to conduct the autopsy, how to conduct the investigation, when to refer to other forensic services. It can be done. I love that you already mentioned other countries because that's my next question. Imagine laws working in other countries as well, right? And what are other lessons that we can pick up from other countries that you've worked with in order to improve our MLDI system here? Well, the number one thing is really to report the death. I know I said that our death reporting system is already much improved. It's much better than a lot of other developing countries because we're reporting upwards of 90% of death. But reporting the death to the right agency is important so that it can be counted correctly and it can be referred to the correct investigation or to the correct entity that will conduct the cause of death determination. In my experience in other countries, for instance, in Papua New Guinea, wherein their death registration is um, less than 1%, uh, close, closer to zero, really they're, they're, they have no idea what's causing the deaths of their citizens. So as long as their citizens are invisible to them, as long as the plight of their people um, are invisible to them. The country, the government really wouldn't be able to make sound public health policy decisions. And that's really the reason why MLDI is important because apart from yung mga natural deaths like obesity, COVID, there are also other causes of death or violence related that kill um, a lot of people. Like for instance, road crashes. If we didn't have good data on road crashes, which falls under medical legal death investigation, we wouldn't know that we actually have an epidemic of uh, road deaths here in the country. We kill more people on the road than COVID kills people So in our country. We wouldn't know that if not for MLDI. I like that also you already raised how MLDI is, it goes beyond you know, crime investigation. Can you talk to us more about how MLDI will benefit everybody, not just through better investigations for crimes, but also for health policies, government policies? We already have some policies actually in place that really came from good MLDI data. Like, for example, violence against women and children. We're one of those countries with very strong policies on violence against women and children. And the reason we came up with that policy is because our country was seeing some data on deaths due to violence against women and children. And the same happens in other countries now where they're seeing that spike in violence because of COVID-19. And therefore, more interventions can be introduced to prevent that. But that's still crime-related. And I already mentioned road, road safety. But there are other things like, for, for instance, drowning. If you're not investigating the cause of death, particularly of children who aren't supposed to die suddenly. We wouldn't know if, like for instance, in island uh, regions in our country, whether drowning is a big problem or not. And therefore, the local government would not be able to introduce policies to address that. But also, even for, for natural causes of death, like I said a while ago, Sometimes what's happening in the local government is that uh, uh, they don't want to assume jurisdiction uh, because they don't know yet if the cause of death is a natural death. What happens to Loy is that sometimes the family will just go to a physician that they know and ask the physician to certify. And what turns up in the death certificate isn't really something that was investigated. It was just the physician indicating what he thought was the cause of death. I know this is anecdotal, but this kind of anecdote, we hear it a lot when we talk about death investigation and cause of death determination. If we had a strong MLDI system, then you would have either a medical examiner or a coroner 
or a forensic pathologist who would say, look, this death is definitely a natural death. Go back to your left, uh, local health officer and ask him or her to certify the cause of death, to make that determination. And in that case, the local health officer would then interview the family, conduct a verbal, what they call a verbal autopsy, which is a structured interview to find out what would have been, what might have been the cause of death. But right now, we don't have that system in place. It really goes back to training and um, systems that work for all of us, right? Yeah. Another thing that's pretty related to this and it's also interesting from your study is how it discussed the concept of consent when it comes to MLDI. Because here in the Philippines, right, we have this understanding that families can say no to any investigation, to any autopsy, and it's treated as sacred that families have to say yes to MLDI, to medical legal investigations before it, they are done. But in your paper, you said that medical legal experts and doctors should assert at times. And what are the circumstances when they should assert this and why does it matter? Well, the best practice is that in all cases of suspicious death and unnatural death, the medical legal officer should assume jurisdiction and conduct whatever examinations are necessary to determine the cause of death, regardless of the consent of the family. But currently here in the Philippines, there is this assumption that families would have to consent to the autopsy first before conducting the investigation, which shouldn't be the case. And you're correct. Uh, this really arose from, I think, a misinterpretation of the sanitation code wherein, you know, you have a section there that says that uh, the autopsy shall be performed in certain cases. And then it's followed by a provision that says it may be performed uh, with consent of the family. And so this has since been misinterpreted as a mandate for government agencies to secure the consent of the families first. This is really one of those things that's against the best practices when it comes to death investigation. With all of this discussion, Attorney Sophia, a striking question that I guess everybody would like to, to, to answer as well is, why should Filipinos care about this? Yung mga tao na um, hindi naman interesado sa ano, investigation, mga patay, sasabihin nila na ano naman, hindi naman ako interesado dyan kasi wala naman sigurong mamamatay sa pamilya ko, wala naman suspicious death sa mga circles ko. What would you say to that and why does this matter, should matter to them too as well? I think the very recent case of uh, Christine Dacera really gives you a good picture of what happens when you don't have good death in this investigation. On the one hand, you have a family who's grieving and their grieving was exacerbated by the thought that their daughter had been uh, murdered and had been raped. And they've clung on to that idea because that's what the PNP told them even before the autopsy report came out. Then on the other hand, you have the suspects who were indicted for a crime that did not happen based on the autopsy report because the autopsy report did say that it was a natural death due to aneurysm. And so for Filipinos, you can be in either end of that spectrum where you will grieve your grieving and your grieving is exacerbated by wrong information. Or you can be on the other end wherein you're suspected of a crime that never happened. But more than that, I think just good public health data will inform government of what the real causes of suffering of Filipinos are. I know that Filipinos don't tend to think that government uh, is deciding based on good data. But I can uh, give, a, give a lot of examples of how government has made policies based on good data, like violence against women and children. For example, very recently, Quezon City uh, introduced bike lanes in their city because of a spike in the number of bike-related injuries within their city. 
So there are a lot of instances where you have government agencies directly introducing interventions by because they saw that the data demands it. That's really what uh, medical legal death investigation wants to do. Before I go to my last question, Attorney Sophia, what is something that you want to emphasize about this topic that we haven't talked about? Something that you want to correct? Um, a misconception from the public? A takeaway that you want people to know before we end this conversation? Number one, I think the reason why we're having this conversation is because of a very recent occurrence, which is the Christine da Serra case. But this happens a lot. It's very widespread that that investigation is conducted poorly or is not conducted uh, as comprehensively as we would want. And it affects or, uh, immediately the public perception of the investigation. Like I said a while ago, we have that case of the director of counterterrorism in NBI. There was also the case, I think you were the one who reported on this Rambo for uh, Rappler, Citisoy. Yung, the, oh, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. the one that was jailed in Quezon City and his body was brought to mm-hmm. Novaliches Hospital. And immediately, again, before the autopsy report even came out, the PNP said that he died due to natural causes, which is the shortness of breath. But then when the PNP medical legal officer conducted the investigation, the death certificate showed uh, blunt force trauma. So there are a lot of instances wherein this kind of thing happens. And in the case of Pisoy, he was uh, jailed because of alarms and scandals. It wasn't even a big crime, but he died in uh, police custody. So that's the thing. I don't want people to think that this is an isolated incident that's just being discussed because of the very recent case of Christine de Serra. This is a systemic problem that should be solved by a system solution. Big problem that requires a big solution. My last question, Attorney Sophia, is this. To our listeners, to everybody who's listening to this, what would be your advice on how they can help with this advocacy for a better MLDI system in the Philippines in their own ways, what can they do? Well, I think first thing is that when you have a death in the family, report it to the correct institution. If it's a suspicious circumstance, go ahead and report it to the police. If not, then seek the advice of your local health officer. But it's very, I think it's very important for us to have an informed conversation about this, to read up on what the problems are on death investigation in the country. So that we're not being reactionary all the time, wherein only when it's a hot topic, we're going to talk about this very, very nuanced problem and talk about it in memes. I think it's very important that something as important like this, we talk about it comprehensively and with a very sober discourse instead of just memifying everything about cases like Christine da Serra and similar cases. Raising the bar for conversations on, on MLDI and for better MLDI investigation and for better policy. Attorney Sofia San Luis of Imagine Law, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rambo. This has been Criminal. If you'd like to be updated on this and other issues, don't forget to follow Rappler and Newsbreak on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have suggestions about topics we should cover in this podcast, just send me a message. My inbox is open on Twitter at Rambo Reports. I'm Rambo Talabo. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.